the days of the sales seminar are pretty much over. You don't need to do that. There's only one product that ever needs to be sold in a workshop or a seminar, and the product is you, the advisor. Hey, Advisorist Nation, you're listening to the Advisorist Podcast, the most loved podcast for insurance and financial advisors worldwide that want to grow faster, increase commissions, and build a lifestyle you love. London to New York, Montreal to Munich, Austin to Australia. Shut down distractions, get focused, grab your notepad. It's time for Advisorist. Let's do this. Hi, this is Jeremiah Demery, and welcome to today's Advisorist Podcast. My very special guest today is Frank Maselli. And if you have been giving seminars in the financial services arena, and you have not had the pleasure of engaging with this charming and brilliant man, <laughs> let me tell you, this is the guy you want to talk to. Frank, just a quick bio about him is he was a regional sales director with Payne Weber, also started off at Dean Witter. And as a former U.S. Army officer with 30 plus years in the financial services industry. Wow. And what he does now is he takes all of the wisdom that he's learned and he coaches top financial advisors how to have higher performing seminars, which means more people come, more people end up booking appointments, more people show up to the appointments, and then people trust the advisor more to convert their assets over. Frank, we're so excited to have you here on the podcast. Welcome, my friend. Well, thank you. It's great to be with you. This is very exciting. I love doing this. So Frank, one of the core values we hold here at Advisorist is gratitude. We believe that when you start everything with an attitude of gratitude, life is just better. So we love to ask our guests, what are you most grateful for today? That's really interesting. You know, besides the standard answer, you know, my family, my children, all that stuff, I would have to say I'm grateful to have a chance to give something back to this business, this profession that I've loved now for 35 years. And I try to spend as much time as I can every day just sharing ideas and helping people succeed. And I'm blessed to be able to do that. I really just love this industry and what we're able to do for people. So I'd have to say I'm grateful for the chance to really share some thoughts and to help as many advisors advisors and financial professionals as I can. It's an honor for me to be able to do that. Outstanding. You know, doing what you do takes a high level of focus and concentration, and you got to stay in top shape for that. So what's a mind or a body hack that you're using these days to be the best Frank you can be? Yeah, that's great. Anybody who knows me knows that I'm not, not the most physical person in the world. I'd say ruffles potato chips are my body hack, probably. But uh, <laughs> a mind hack, I'm sure that's a good question. I do a lot of journaling. I find that journaling, writing, like at the end of the day, I like to write. I take a little time before hitting the sack at night and I just write a page or a page and a half in a journal and it really helps keep me focused and thoughtful and the best part of journaling and anybody you know that's ever done this knows this is when you go back a year later two years five years later and you read what you wrote it just puts things in perspective so it's a little personal thing I do and that's about it but physically I gotta tell you moving is not my strong suit baby <laughs> no problem you move enough on stage I've seen you to count as a workout <laughs> You 
You know, shifting to financial seminars, you know, it's kind of interesting. We've observed the financial services industry kind of go through this transition, right? Where, you know, referrals and seminars, I'd say, were probably the two biggest drivers of new business for the past 30 years. And then with the rise of digital marketing, a lot of people went off in that direction buying leads. And then now the tide has come back to seminars, marrying seminars and digital, which makes what you do so much more valuable now because you have people coming to events in a time when they're oversold coming to retirement planning, right? It's like the running joke is that if you're about to turn 65 and you have assets of $250,000, you probably could create a stack of the mailers you get every single week from people inviting you to Ruth's Chris Steakhouse and so on and so forth. Absolutely. Which is why, you know, companies like White Glove Workshops have really exploded to reach people digitally. And you help financial advisors have better events. And I would be willing to say people are probably coming in with a little more jaded, a little more skeptical. Tell us, Frank, what is working right now to help financial advisors have better quality seminars. And feel free to start at the beginning, the opening, the middle, the close, because I know you've got so much to share on this. Sure. It's a very rich subject and it's not really complicated when you boil it down, but you're absolutely right. People coming to workshops today, first of all, they're coming out of the woodwork. There is such a demand right now for education. And it's interesting because we're seeing multiple generations coming to these workshops. We're seeing retirees, obviously. That's the overwhelming largest demand right now from the marketplace. But we're also seeing younger people, you know, Gen Xers and, you know, even millennials who are coming in to learn more about money because they know that it's important. They've seen, you know, their parents or their grandparents go through challenging times. So the bottom line is this is the golden age of seminars. It's just an unbelievable time right now, even better than it was in the early 80s and 90s. So I think it's exciting. But to do great workshops right now, the biggest single thing that I think is necessary is to approach them from a position of education rather than selling. The days of the sales seminar are pretty much over. I think everybody's been to those you know, those free dinner, Maxwell's silver hammer is going to come out and get you at the end with some sort of a product pitch. The days of pitching product are over. You don't need to do that. There's only one product that ever needs to be sold in a workshop or a seminar, and the product is you, the advisor. If you put a product in front of yourself, if you try to pitch a, a mutual fund or an annuity or any particular strategy, you're undermining your credibility and you're going to dramatically reduce the likelihood of setting appointments. So I would say overwhelmingly, that's the biggest theme that we like to try to get across is stop selling teach people, help people give as much value as possible. And then there are some you know, subtleties and nuances within the actual workshop itself. The power opening, we like to open with some drama. We teach advisors how to be a little bit more than just the average presenter. You know, Everybody's been to these boring presentations and it's just horrifying. There's no emotion. There's no connection to the audience. It's just a bunch of information and slides. And we try to help advisors get out of that mind state and start thinking a little bit bigger, more emotional. And I call it the nine critical emotions. Uh, we teach them how to hit these emotions. And it's extremely powerful and just a lot of fun, fun for the audience, fun for the advisor. And it just works like crazy. Let's do a power opening. So imagine you're in front of a room and I'm your advisor. You want to teach Give me an example of one of the power openings you've used or your students have used that have worked so well. 
one of the openings, and it's hard to do in a podcast because it's very visual. We call it the dollar bill opening, where you systematically rip up a dollar bill. And it's fun. It's dramatic. It does take a little bit of theatrical presence in front of the room, but it really gets their attention. But the other opening that I'm really fond of is a little bit more intellectual. I call it the never before opening. And I say to the audience, and this is before I even introduce myself, okay? I mean, I don't do the standard, hi, welcome to the workshop, nothing like that. I get up and I say, folks, we're here tonight for a reason. We're here tonight because we're facing a problem in America today that's never been seen before anywhere in our country or on the planet Earth. This problem is going to affect 200 million Americans, and it's probably going to wipe out about $16 trillion in personal wealth over the next 15 years. No government agency, there is no social program ready to deal with this problem. And in fact, most of the people who are going to face this problem have no idea it's even coming. And at this point, they're going, what, what the heck is he talking about? And then I say, the problem is retirement. And they all go, wait a minute, retirement? We know all about retirement. I say, oh, you think you know all about retirement? And then I get into some of the statistics on how we've never had 75 million people retire before, how this is the first generation in history that lives 30 years in retirement. And these are statistics that everybody is sort of familiar with. Certainly advisors are, you know, they're very comfortable with these statistics, but the audience has never heard them in this way before. They think retirement is completely normal and it's not. We're going through a phase in America today that we literally have never seen before and it's going to be very dramatic, very devastating for millions of people if they're not prepared. And it's just a fun opening. It gets the juices flowing and really gets people thinking in a bigger way. So I don't mean to drag it out, but it's much shorter than I'm making it sound right now. But it, it's a lot of fun. It really gets people excited and passionate about the topic. I love it. Let's go back to the dollar bill power opening because you got my curiosity peaked. What do you say? So you, what do you walk up there and then you take a dollar bill and you rip it? Like, what do you say? Yeah, yeah. I, I pull a dollar bill out of my pocket and I hold it up and I said, what is this? You know, very casually to the audience, what is this? And some people say, oh, it's a dollar. Oh, it's something. You know, whatever they say, it's not a problem. I give them a minute and I say, this represents your entire retirement nest egg. This is everything you have saved and scrimped and put aside and invested for the last 40 years of your life. And now this, and I'm still holding the dollar at this point, now this has to last you 30 years in retirement, except Uncle Sam and the IRS wants their piece. And as I say piece, I rip the dollar in half and I toss half of it on the floor. And I say, medical costs going up at five times the rate of core inflation, medical costs want their piece. And I rip a big chunk of the dollar off. Your social security for the first time is being taxed. Rip another piece of the dollar off. I save the fun one for the end. I say the kids move back into the basement and they want their piece now. And I rip a tiny little chunk off and there's only a little corner left. And I say, this is your piece. You can't be happy with this. And it's just so much fun. I mean, people just go wild over this. Why are you such a big advocate of emotion? You know, I would say that most financial advisors like to psychologically project themselves as austere, as preeminent, as a little bit aloof mm -hmm. as, you know, it's that whole vibe, like you really need to trust me. And it's like the Monopoly man with the monocle <laughs> where they take themselves way too serious. And like, why are you such a big advocate about emotion during a financial workshop, which to me could be nothing more boring when you describe it to a consumer, right? Come to a financial workshop. It's like, wow, I could think of so many other things I'd want to do other than that. But what's your philosophy on that? It's simple, okay? If you are a financial advisor and you have a desire to reach out to new people, okay, the first question I ask you is, why do you want to do that? And the answer has to be 
some form of, I really want to help people succeed. This isn't about making more money. This isn't about selling more product. This is about saving lives. Okay. So with that as the base, then I say, great, let's get them into the lifeboat. And to get people into the lifeboat, you need to attach their emotions. You need to reach out to them emotionally, not just intellectually. Now, the workshops are not, it's not a game show. It's not a comedy club. It's not purely a theatrical event. There are facts and statistics, and God knows in this industry, there's no shortage of any of that. What we try to do is get the advisor to realize that audiences do not bond to facts and statistics and slides and numerical presentations. They're bonding to the advisor's passion, intensity, integrity, trustworthiness. They're bonding to the advisor. And to reach those people and to get them to set an appointment to come see you, you have to hit them on an emotional level as well as an intellectual level. We've got the intellectual covered. God knows there's so many facts and statistics that you can use in a workshop. It's easy to do that. What's hard is to reach them on an emotional level, and that's the part that we teach. And it's, it's not difficult, but it does take focus and it does take some training to do that. Yeah, I think one of the early lessons that I learned is that people in this world who change your state are paid the highest. Look at <laughs> okay. musicians, actors, you know, keynote speakers, anybody who can change somebody else's state are usually paid the highest. Even inside organizations, right? The people who can make people feel better typically rise to the top. And that's because emotion is what makes us make our decisions. And then we go back and we reason it out with logic. And I think that's a big, big takeaway people need to learn is that emotion gets people to the point to make a decision. And then once they've made the decision in their head, they go back and justify it with logic, which is where all of the charts and the assurances and the riders and all that stuff come into play to help move the sale forward. You couldn't be more correct. That's exactly right. And the other interesting thing is people come to a workshop, they'll walk out of that workshop and they really didn't understand 90% of what you said. What they understood on an intuitive level is that you believe what you said, that you have a tremendous passion about what you just talked to them about, and that you have the wherewithal and the skill and the drive and the desire to help them succeed. And the rest of it is meaningless because they trust you at that point. The emotion we're trying for in every workshop is trust, but trust is a very big emotion. It's a very complicated emotion. So we've broken trust down into its component pieces, and we teach advisors how to specifically reach those nine emotions. It's extremely useful, and it works like crazy. It's just a very powerful way to do a workshop or any presentation. You are a big believer in props, right? <laughs> Using props in a seminar in a tasteful way that really gives people a visual of what's going on. What's one of your favorite prop strategies to use to have a high converting financial workshop? You know, it's funny because I've used props my whole life and props is a theater term that comes from the word properties. These are physical things that appear on stage that you use, could be a bottle, could be an ashtray or something. In a workshop, there are two props that I've used in my career that have been very successful for me, as well as actually many of them, but two simple ones. One of the most useful ones and one of the ones that made me a tremendous amount of money over the years was a model of a Jeep, a military Jeep called a Humvee. And I would put the model, I would have models on every 
anybody's table. You know, they wouldn't know what they were for. They were just sitting there as people came in. And at a critical point in the workshop, I'd be teaching things like non-correlated diversification, modern portfolio theory, using different asset classes. Everybody understands this. Financial advisors understand this. But the public doesn't understand it. And I would say, folks, somebody hold up the Jeep. Hold this up. Is this the fastest car in the world? No. Is it the most comfortable car? No. Is it the cheapest? No. What is this exactly? This is all-wheel drive, independent suspension, and if three of the wheels go flat, the fourth wheel will get you home. This is the portfolio that we're building for you. We're building independent suspension portfolio with different money managers that don't correlate to each other. And it took the concept of non-correlation and it made it a tangible reality for the people. And people would come up to me and go, I want that Jeep portfolio. I want that all-wheel drive portfolio. It was a very powerful tool. It's a lot of fun to do. And I give away the Jeeps at the end. It's a great one. The one we use now are the buckets. I mean, everybody talks about the bucket theory, you know, the bucket meaning income in retirement. Where do you take your income from in retirement? So I have buckets. I went to Walmart and I bought four colored buckets and I labeled the bucket pension plan, 401k, real estate, stocks and bonds. And we put monopoly money in the buckets and we have tremendous fun with this. Whenever you can make something visual or tactile or tangible, it helps the audience understand. It may sound really goofy, but it's absolutely fun and they go wild over it. I was just thinking about the Humvee, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger is probably the <laughs> one who's most associated in the world. I remember at one point he had a fleet of Humvees. I'm just curious, how much did that Humvee prop actually cost? You know, I remember back, the models were something like $19 each, and I would get maybe eight of them for each of my workshops. But if I told you that it paid for itself, I don't know, maybe 10,000 times over, <laughs> that would be that would be a pretty good return on investment. <laughs> Yeah, I bet now if you went to uh, Alibaba or AliExpress, you could probably pick up those for like a couple of bucks and just buy a whole box of them. I just love it. Plus, the whole essence of the Humvee is strength and stability. That's right. Right, which is usually what people like. They worked really, really hard to develop that brand around the Humvee. That's outstanding. Awesome. Well, you're just dropping the honey, which is one of our core values here. So this is great. Always just giving a little more. But you know, we've also learned just as much from our failures as we've had from our wins. So from your perspective, Frank, either somebody you've coached or yourself, what's been one of the biggest failures you ever had in front of a room that taught you a powerful lesson? Hmm, that's a good one. I can't pick on any of my coaching clients because that would sort of be unfair to them. But I can tell you a failure that I've had throughout my career, and it's cropped up occasionally, is humor, the use of humor. One of the things we teach is how to use humor intelligently, correctly, appropriately in a workshop. And I remember doing two nights. I had back-to-back workshops in Salt Lake City, Utah. And I remember I'm sort of edgy when I do my presentations, and it seems to have worked well for me. And the first night, I made a joke about Mormons, and it wasn't a religious joke necessarily. It was more of a sociological joke. I said, Josh, you know, I, I can't get a Diet Coke. I can't smoke a cigarette. And I made a funny joke about Mormons, and they went crazy. They loved it. They were laughing their heads off. And so in my mind, as a speaker, I said, oh, good material. You know, this is great. I'm going to use the joke again tomorrow night. So the second night came along and I did the same exact joke and it bombed. It absolutely bombed. And I said to myself, oh my God, this was so funny last night. What happened? Well, it's interesting because every audience is different. And as a speaker, you have to be able to read that audience and you have to know when to push them, 
when not to push them. And, you know, maybe I should have toned it down a little bit, but I learned a very valuable lesson. Humor is extremely subjective and it's better to err on the side of caution than to push the envelope too hard. It's just a scary thing when humor flops. I know you've spoken a lot yourself. Humor is a very sensitive subject. It can work really well for you. It could kill you if you're not careful. Yeah, I've totally seen the same thing. Sometimes when I've keynoted, I've used, you know, one joke that just absolutely crushes it. And then I use it in another one. And it's like, who is this guy? (laughs) (laughs) If you haven't done that yet, that means your talk is probably super stale because you're not trying new material, right? That's a good point. You see all the comedians on Netflix with their specials. What people don't know, a 45-minute special The composition of a special is really hundreds of gigs that they've done where they were trying out all this material. And then when they found the bits that absolutely worked, then they only put the best bits in a special. Like people don't realize that, but that's really how a financial workshop is, right? Every time you might want to try something different, but I think your guidelines, if you step within the guidelines of not trying to push the envelope, you're going to be safe. You know, speaking of humor, Frank, one thing we love to ask our guests is you got a good joke. So I'd love to know, do you have a joke you can share with our listeners? You know, it's funny because I have a joke, but I can't remember the exact setup of a joke. I'm a very, very bad joke teller. It's a golf joke. Something like two guys are playing golf and I'm trying to remember the guy hits a shot and it hits his wife in the head and it kills his wife. This is a very dark joke. It kills his wife and he says, oh yeah, the last time I was out here, it was really bad. And then the other golfer says, yeah, I know, it was really horrible. Your wife died. He goes, oh, forget that. I got a bogey on the hole. This is a stupid joke. It's a stupid golf joke, but I'm just a very bad joke teller. I never tell jokes in my workshop, as you can probably tell. I'm really not that good at it. <laughs> but it strikes me, you're a type of guy who creates humor on the spot, right? Like you can see something and then bam, you can say something about it. I honestly think the best speakers do not use canned humor. I think canned humor is a big mistake for workshops. It's okay if you're just starting out and you want to try some stuff, but the best humor is natural. It comes out in a systemic way. It can also be based on you know what you're seeing in the room and what the audience gives you. The audience will be a tremendous source of humor and interaction. That leads to a very important point, which is the goal of the speaker is to connect with the audience, not with the slideshow. We teach our speakers to focus 90% of their time on the audience, and they'll give you tremendous opportunities to be fun, to be funny, to be engaging, and to be warm. Very important. That's a great, great point. Today's marketing hack comes from Michael Keitzes of XY Planning. When he took a look at advisor websites, he noticed one glaring problem. Most of them did not have headshots on them. And of course, a lot of advisors say things like, well, that doesn't matter. I don't need a headshot because my business comes from referrals. But it still matters. The reality of consumer behavior these days is even if you're being referred, they're still going to type your name into Google. First, they're going to want to make sure no stories about criminal activity come up. And then second, they're hoping to see some kind of website that validates you as a professional. They want to see you, someone who looks professional, who they might want to do business with. What they discovered at XY Planning is that when they put not only pictures, but informal videos talking directly to a potential client, sharing things like their hobbies, their family, their pets, 
and the weird movies or the sports teams that they like, they actually had a higher conversion ratio once people got into the office to meet with them face to face. It's because what people had done is click around on the website, click on the headshots, watch these short videos, and actually build a relationship in advance with the financial advisor. So today's marketing quick hack is about adding professional headshots to your website and a short selfie style video if you have to, or a professional video from each one of your advisors sharing your strategies, why you do what you do, and something interesting, fun, or even quirky about you. Thanks for checking out today's marketing hack. We'll see you on the next one. So, you know, you mentioned something earlier about ruffles, and I know you're somebody who's traveled a lot. What would you say is your go-to order at your favorite hometown restaurant? (laughs) I am a steak eater. I love steak. I love a good filet mignon, and I just, I can't get enough of a decent steak, but I probably like it more well done than most people do. And I I hate to admit that, but people say, oh, you're going to ruin the steak. And I'm not, you know what? I like it this way. What can I tell you? It's the way I enjoy it. But no, a good steak or a nice veal parmesan or something would be right up my alley. You got me thinking about dinner now. If I'm in your hometown of Raleigh, North Carolina, where should I go for a great, well-done steak? Well, if you come to Raleigh, we're not having steak. We're going to have barbecue because this is like the barbecue capital of earth here. So yeah, no, if you come down here, we're definitely going for some really good Southern barbecue. It's a fantastic meal. And what's your favorite restaurant you would take me to? Oh, you know what? It's a side of the road place on a highway, not too far from here. It's about a 20 minute drive. And if you passed it, you would go, oh my God, there's no way I'm ever going to eat at this place, but it's fantastic food. And I think it's like Joe's Barbecue. I don't even know the name. I can tell you exactly where it is. I can get there in 20 minutes, but it's just a side of the road barbecue place that makes the most incredible brisket and pulled pork and uh, ribs. Uh, Now you see, you got me thinking about food. That's the worst thing you could do. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, let's take our focus off of food. Okay. And I want to ask you many times speakers before they go up they listen to music or there's music playing for you what's the song that really gets you going like what's one of your favorite songs i listen to frank sinatra and i listen to my way before going on stage because you know the workshop has to be my way it's a personal performance it's something that gets me really excited for a performance and that just resonates with me i know some people listen to rock and roll I, that doesn't move me but sinatra moves me and i'm ready to go Beautiful. Now, if you think of your smartphone, you know, we use it hundreds of times a day. What's the app on your phone you absolutely can't live without, pleasure or business? Oh, that's interesting. I'm not a really big phone user. I think the most valuable app, besides tracking my daughters on their cell phones and knowing where they are during the day, I use an app called Cam Scanner. I use my phone a lot as a scanner, and I think that's a pretty valuable app for me. I don't know if it's free or you have to pay for it. It's probably pretty cheap. It allows you to scan stuff in, make a quick PDF, and send it to anybody in the world. It's been very useful for me. Interesting. So what are you using that for, like signing documents and so forth? Yeah, you know, signing contracts and documents and sending stuff to people. You know, it's certainly, you know, when you're near your computer you can send anything off your desktop. But when I'm on the road a lot, I travel quite a bit and somebody says, can you get that contract back? And I'll have a, you know, a paper copy of it and I'll just take a quick scan, sign it on the document and just send it right out. So it gets things done quicker and easier and it's a very high quality scanner. It does a nice job. Outstanding. So one question we love to ask all of our guests, Frank, is 
if you lost everything, you had no more list, no more contacts, all you had was your insurance or financial services license, a laptop, <laughs> a Wi-Fi connection and $500 on a desert island, what would you focus on for 30 days to reboot your business? Wow. So I've got 500 bucks. I got a laptop. Did you say I have Wi-Fi? I've got some sort of connection somehow? Absolutely. Okay. What would I do? You know, I probably would do exactly what I'm doing right now. I would probably try to communicate with people in some form and just give as much guidance and advice as I can and then let the chips fall where they may. I sort of agree with you. I think when you give people value and wisdom and as much energy and effort as you can give them, they will track you down and do business. And that's what my entire business has been built on. I hate to say this, but 12 years now, I've been a speaker on my own. I left the corporate world 12 years ago. And in that entire 12-year period of time, I've done zero marketing. I have never marketed myself. I've sent out maybe 20 emails in 12 years. So all I've done is try to give as much value and to help as many people as possible. And I give stuff away. I mean, I'm constantly giving things away. People think I'm crazy. I give my books away. I give CDs away, everything. But it's worked for me. It's worked because I think people recognize that my passion is helping first. And the money will follow. And you know this. I mean, money follows passion. And so it's never been a problem for me. But I think I would do from a desert island exactly what I'm doing. And I probably wouldn't come back. <laughs> Outstanding. Well, there you have it. You know, let's do a quick recap, if we can, just to remember everything we talked about today. So we talked about what's going on in the financial workshop industry today, the trends, and why it's so important to have a great presentation. We've talked about why the sales seminar is dead, the single product you should sell at a seminar. I loved your two power openings. I really hope people pay attention to those and try those. We learned about the secret $20 Schwarzenegger-like prop that <laughs> made you hundreds of thousands of dollars and how to use buckets to help create visual breakdowns of where your income goes. We talked about one of your more embarrassing workshops and the powerful lesson you got out of that, where to spend 90% of your time during the presentation, where to find the best barbecue in the world, <laughs> and your favorite app. Man, that was an epic episode, Frank. <laughs> We covered a lot of ground, baby, a lot of ground. We sure did. We sure did. Now, if you want to get a transcript of this incredible Advisorist interview, just go to Advisorist.com, click on the podcast link, and we will have a full transcript there. So as Frank was riffing and just doing the voodoo that he does and being able to just riff that off of his head, you can go back and grab those transcripts right on our website. That's Advisorist.com podcast section, advisorist.com. And if you're a member of the Advisorist membership community, you'll love to know that you're going to get access to special training that Frank has done to specifically help you get conversions of up to 76% from attendee to a closed appointment. I mean, just unbelievable the results Frank and his team have done. And the other thing is, if you want to hear a lot more about Frank and his ideas, Frank is one of our special hosts of the Advisors Podcast, and he is the host of the Sales and Seminar Success Podcast here on the Advisors Network. So if you want to catch a lot more of Frank, just go to our site, advisors.com, go to podcasts, and you will see Frank there, and you can listen to a lot more of his wisdom and nuggets. Frank, thank you so much, my friend. I really appreciate all the wisdom you shared today. 
Well, thank you, Jeremiah. This is a lot of fun. I hope we get to do it again. You really are doing a great service for people, and I applaud you completely. So thank you. Thank you. Hey, Advisors Nation, are you ready to take your insurance or financial services practice to the next level? And are you prepared to fill your calendar with high quality appointments and bring so many leads that you get to pick and choose with whom you're going to work with? If yes, then be sure to check out Advisorist, a premium members-only community of insurance and financial advisors who are striving to excellence. Inside this community, you'll learn the strategies and tactics that most successful service providers are using, and you'll be able to implement them and see results faster than you ever thought was possible. Get all of the details here at advisorist.com forward slash membership. That's advisorist.com forward slash membership advisorist.com forward slash membership. We'll see you inside. You could be larger than life, bigger than the world, living out the hopes and dreams of every boy and every girl. You could fly higher than the sky, shine brighter than the stars. You could have all you ever wanted. Shoot the moon and reach for Mars. You know you could.